This is Film Tank. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. We're going to make film history. Can you say that again? Just the way you say it. Baby, it's time to lose their head. They won't know what they're looking at, but why they like it, but they'll know they want it. again everyone welcome in to episode 226 of our little podcast here called film tank as per usual myself alex diekman with you along with nick cheney maybe oh, he's not hello here. sorry <laughs> i uh, was trying to turn off the fan in my bedroom and i thought i could do it in time but i couldn't never mind it was a good start thank you one of our best. Also, Tucson Egan joining us here on this episode. Thank you for having me, Alex. It's so great to be here. Okay. <laughs> and uh, a friend of ours is joining, uh, really a friend of Nick's, but a friend of the Yay! podcast. Okay. Uh, who joined us uh, years ago on an episode, but is making her triumphant return. And that is our friend Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hi. I can't believe it took you guys this long to have me back again. But, you know, it's fine. It's cool. No, really, thank you for having me. It's uh, delightful to be with you during these trying times. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. Speak for yourself, Tucson. (laughs) Okay. I and Nick are so happy to have you. Mm. (laughs) Nick's actually kind of borderline, too. Well, thank you, Tucson. You're welcome. I think in general, we are all happy that you're able to join us. And, and, uh, you know, this this pandemic forced us to find some new muscles and get out of just recording in one room. So that's good. So now we're able to have guests from anywhere and not just in (laughs) Illinois, which is also good. Yeah. Evolve or die. Yeah. Yeah, This this is is... our. Oh, sorry. What are you going to say? I was going to say, it's truly a whole new world for Film Tank. Yeah, this is our first out-of-state, cross-continental recording. <laughs> Just wait till you go international. Oh, that's true. I do know that's some people crazy. in Canada and Australia. That Australia would be kind of a time jump. That's true. But you know what? It's doable. One of us just doesn't sleep. You've already pretty much got that, so that's good. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I will say that Sarah suggested a film for us to do on this episode, and that film is the 1984 uh, Albert Magnoli film, which is Purple Rain film that stars prince and is mm, basically about him in some way 
Um, so I'll give a little background, uh, and then uh, we'll just do our usual around the horn, giving initial thoughts on uh, this film. <laughs> well, well done, Nick. <laughs> Fantastic. So Purple Rain surrounds a young, young musician tormented by an abusive situation at home who must contend with a rival singer, a romance, and his own dissatisfied band as his star begins to rise. So the film stars Prince as the kid and also features Apollonia? Apollonia. Apollonia. Thank you. Apollonia. Apollonia. No? You got it. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Playing Apollonia and also stars Morris Day as Morris Day. Very good. So this movie was basically meant to highlight Prince's talents and has numerous uh, numbers with Prince performing on stage um, and also features uh, an interesting acting group uh, throughout, which I have thoughts on, which I will get to in a bit. But I think um, everyone else on this podcast other than me probably has a better and um, more uh, nuanced nuanced uh, well well done Tucson that is a perfect description for it uh, thoughts on this film and also probably has more uh, to say about it because they think they all know more about Prince than I do so um, yep. <laughs> great thank you for being modest uh, so I guess uh, we'll start with Nick and uh, get his initial thoughts oh thank you Alex oh thank you Alex you are a real prince um, uh, <laughs> that was a good one, Nick. Uh, this is why I do it. This is why I do it. Anyway, um, ironically, Alex, uh, you are half right about I. At least I think the rest of the people on this podcast, because I will just flat out admit that I've never cared for Prince, uh, the musician. I, that makes two of us. <laughs> Excuse me, what did I sign up for here? Yeah, this is your doing, so here we go. I don't co-sign this. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I have nothing against Prince, um, but I never grew up listening to him. And when I have tried to do deep dives into its discography and whatnot, I certainly appreciated what I heard, but it never quite resonated with me. Um, I will say I'd like him a little more after having viewed Purple Rain. So ultimately the movie is a success for me. But I wouldn't say that was because it was a good movie. Um, kind of straddles the line of what it wants to do. When I think of other musical movies that are used to like promote the, you know, the headliner... Um, I think of something like A Hard Day's Night with the Beatles. Um, and, like, that's the gold standard of musicians playing, quote-unquote, themselves. Really for an excuse to just play their songs and whatnot. And I think A Hard Day's Night, and this is not a fair comparison, but there is a stark difference, which is that they didn't take themselves so seriously in that movie, whereas obviously Purple Rain takes 
Prince and the, uh, I guess, the atmosphere and the legend surrounding uh, the man uh, so seriously. What about uh, something like the original Ocean's Eleven, too? I mean, that that's a film that is basically made to highlight um, singers of that time yeah. period while also introducing a fictional narrative, which is totally different to their actual lives, but at the same time trying to serve a similar purpose. Yeah, the only thing I would say is that those guys in that movie were still actors, you know? Like, it wasn't their first rodeo movie-wise, so... Um, I mean, I see what you're saying in the sense that pretty much the allure of that movie is to watch those guys sing and goof around and whatnot, but they did, most of them at least, find an actual second career in acting, and it says a lot that Prince did not, and uh, neither did the Beatles, for that matter. Um, Purple Rain is a weird movie. It's, um... It has a lot of things it's trying to do, whether it be the melodrama concerning uh, the kid's struggle with himself, his attitude towards women, and how he's been inheriting uh, his very volatile uh, family environment and projecting that out in his work and relationships and whatnot. It's also obviously a kaleidoscope of various performances, uh, musical and otherwise. And, um, and it's also, it's, it's, um, I want to say it's like another movie in there that's some weird, I don't know, like eighties, like, flying high comedy slash not quite rags to riches but still a you know showbiz story and whatnot and i don't know that all three of them talk to each other and communicate as well as they should i will say i did enjoy the performances i mean that's pretty much what the movie has to do at a bare minimum uh, like this and i actually did enjoy prince uh and the songs obviously are pretty great and whatnot. I just think there are some weird choices. For example, if you make a movie like this, while I don't think Prince is a good actor at all, um, I also question divvying up the time um, between the various acts. Um, whenever like Morris Day was performing, they, those weren't bad songs by any means, but it was kind of head-scratchingly losing uh, its orbit, and it kind of weirdly downplayed the very myth of the kid, which may have been intentional, especially concerning the ending and the realization he has, but it also felt a little lopsided to me in its presentation. Um, i trying to think... I mean, I have certainly other thoughts. I, I'll end my opening remarks by saying that overall, I actually did enjoy it. I, I do think it has a lot of problems. Um, one of the major ones being, obviously, the bizarro treatment of women. <laughs> but 
Um, I think ultimately why that didn't capsize the movie for me was because I was actually somewhat profoundly moved by the the ending and how the kid's story was actually not one of a resolution uh, tied to making it in show business, but instead of repairing his interpersonal relationships with Apollonia and whatnot. And so the idea that that's the entire climax hinges on him realizing what to do to be a better person, I actually thought was pretty good. And then it became a weirdly feminist statement. Um, so I, I did appreciate that. Uh, but it's also a hard road to get there when Prince is just treating her like shit throughout the entire movie. It's both weirdly moving and also kind of bullshit, which maybe makes it one of the most realistic portrayals of misogyny uh, and misogyny being eradicated from a male system, but... Uh, yeah, those are my opening thoughts. It's a very confused movie, and I did enjoy it through and through. I just can understand why anyone would think it has a bunch of problems. Sarah, your turn. Passing the relay, or passing the baton. Well, I, I basically agree with your outlook on the movie. I think I probably enjoyed it a lot more. Um, I should say I picked Purple Rain uh, because at the suggestion of Nick, I should find something streaming somewhere and I spent a very fruitless hour or so probably scrolling through Netflix. And as soon as I saw Purple Rain, I just knew that that was the right option because I am from Minnesota and, and I do not profess to have any deep knowledge of Prince whatsoever. I mean, I'm a fan, but I'm kind of a shallow fan. However, like most Minnesotans, I, in spite of not having like encyclopedic knowledge or like a deep dive of his discography or anything, I love the man beyond reason. It was devastating when he died. Um, and Purple Rain is one of the greatest albums of all time. So I, I was very familiar with that album before I saw this movie. And I saw this movie about 10 years ago and have been meaning to watch it ever since then and was kind of curious how it was going to, quote unquote, hold up. And I would say for me, I this second time around, I did enjoy it a lot more than I was expecting to, actually. Um in spite of the fact that I think it's a pretty bad movie, um, I think it has kind of a lot going for it. Like, it, there, I mean, there's some real potential there. Probably the strongest element is just the music, and it's got kind of the a good nugget of a showbiz story attached to it. But like Nick said, and I'm sure you guys all agree, the acting is not exactly stellar especially from prince and apollonia well matter of fact just about everybody in the movie i think morris day is a shining star in it though um but he he at least goes over the top in an entertaining way whereas some of the others just don't engage he seems mm -hmm. like he's in a different movie with the rest from the rest of them 
him, but I I still I love it. He really owns being an asshole. It yeah, it makes me wonder what the what the real man is actually like, and to what extent he, here anybody is supposed to be playing a version of themselves. Um, one of the things you said, Nick, also really struck me, which was the uh, the movie sort of downplaying. Uh, I don't know what you'd want to call it exactly, like the the legacy of the kid, but it's sort of revealed at the end, like some of the strongest musical performances or some of the strongest music that's performed like is the Wendy and Lisa song that turns out to be Purple Rain and then another one one that his father wrote so I thought that was kind of interesting that he is sort of down on his luck and in sort of a musical and performing funk throughout a lot of this movie like until he sort of reaches outside of himself and kind of taps into the talent of some of the people in his life who he's been having difficulties with. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if that was part of an intentional message of the movie that like, is this supposed to be just about the evolution of an artist and learning to be a better person, but also a better artist by recognizing the uh, talent in other people or what it, I found that kind of confounding, but yeah, I, I liked the movie a lot, even though, like I said, it bad acting, um, Morris day was just a kind of cartoonish evil element throughout it. I completely forgot that he, or was it his his sidekick Jerome who just threw a woman in a dumpster at one point? Speaking of, yeah, uh, Jerome took out the trash. <laughs> interesting. I will say, uh, uh, as a first time viewer, that is the first scene that caught my attention. I was just watching the film, saying, "Oh, this is okay," and then that happened. I was like, "Oh, all right, we're you know, uh, we're in that, this era." Yeah, yeah. It's mm. a bold choice. That's does that happen before or after the Lake Minnetonka scene? Oh, it's right before. Yeah, it's uh there are some bold choices there. Mm. Yeah, um, it's all in like a fifteen minute window too, which is really not great. Mm-hmm. There are some choices, all right. <laughs> I think this when I was thinking about this movie today, I think other than you know just enjoying the music which is sort of a sort of a, a cop out saying that that's your favorite part of the movie i i think what i liked the best about it was the scenes at first avenue and just the you know the backstage atmosphere and some of the very minor characters who really who really don't necessarily add too much beyond ambiance and just a general feel for that world and that time um, I don't know. It's just some color I really enjoyed uh, much more so than some of the the interpersonal drama with Apollonia and the troubles at home with Prince. Um, I kind of wish that the movie had maybe leaned a little bit harder into some of the show business elements of it and not tried to cross the streams with the some of the melodramas so much, especially considering how it handled or didn't handle or didn't resolve um, some of Prince's troubling 
repetitions of his family cycles of violence. Like it, the, the movie tries to treat some really serious, really dark topics, but the, the tone is just so uneven throughout it. Like the same movie where you've got a guy throwing a woman in a dumpster also has his father, um, have an unsuccessful suicide attempt. It's just, it's kind of hard to take any of it really seriously. But in spite of that, um, I guess the overall campiness of everything just really won me over. My my bias towards Prince as uh, as a card-carrying Minnesotan, card being my driver's license, I guess. And... Yeah, the music's phenomenal. It's the other thing that I'll say about the music that didn't quite work for me is how they tried to it seems like they tried to just graft a story of where the songs came from and that was the plot of the of, of the movie on top of the performances like you know when Prince's dad says um, I will die for you and then later you know you hear I would die for you. But when you actually listen to the songs, there doesn't seem to be an awful lot in common with the plot of the movie, but they still kind of try to shoehorn some of the lyrics in, into the, into what is happening. And I thought that was kind of funny sometimes, or like when uh, there'd be some meaningful looks between Prince and Apollonia when he's performing and, he'll like look out in the crowd and and all of a sudden she's there and he'll let out um a weird cry that is in the song anyway like all of the music in this is like the studio or the album cuts or whatever but like they've been repurposed for being part of the plot like that that's now actually a cry of anguish when he sees Apollonia it's just I find it all kind of funny in a way but we're all apollonia in that moment having speak for yourself i mean it's i guess i do often feel like apollonia like i always accidentally baptizing myself in the wrong lake but well you would never do that because you're from minnesota so you know all the lakes right well there's not just 10,000 of them, Nick. There's 13,000 of them. Even I could potentially get it wrong. Is there actually a Lake Minnetonka? There is. Okay. It's it's one of the biggest lakes. Yeah. Come on, Tucson. That's a real tradition, too. <laughs> yep, it goes goes back to the days of Paul Bunyan. <laughs> uh, Tucson. Okay. So it's my turn. Um, yeah, I think I mentioned this movie before on the podcast uh, back when uh, Prince passed away because... Hey, I, I meant to ask you, so this is obviously yeah. really amateur by me. I should have done this offline. Do you remember what episode that was uh, when we discussed Prince's death? I cannot recall the exact episode when we uh, discussed uh, um, Prince's death, but I think that if you basically trace the timestamps of like the date when he died and like the, the next episode that we, uh, that we recorded or posted after that, you could probably like, uh, narrow it down. 
He um, actually, we're coming up on the four-year anniversary of his death. He died on uh, April 21st, 2016. Wow. wow. I am so old. Um, I can't believe you guys have been a podcast that long, and I can't believe Prince has been dead that long. That's good for you guys and also very, very sad. Yeah, very sad for <laughs> Also, um, Alex, that is a uh, challenge for you because we could release this on the four-year anniversary. Are you saying it's a challenge because I have to edit it by then? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I will. You can uh, do it. I'll, I was gonna, I'll accept that for now. All right. Cool. You know, people are always looking for death anniversary podcasts, so you'll get a huge bump, I think. Especially four years. Yeah, four years is the big one. Four years is like the the paper death anniversary. We'll make sure to market it too. It's the four year anniversary of Prince's overdose death. Thank you. Oh, this Tucson. just keeps getting more and more tasteful. <laughs> That's what we do here, Tucson. Okay. Um, so as I mentioned before, I um, I've mentioned this film on the podcast previously, uh, the year when uh, when Prince passed away because they did a limited run of the film. And I had never seen it before, and I never really had a, um, a sort of relationship with Prince and Prince's music. I think that's owed to not only the fact that maybe it was just a di- different generation, a different time, and also the fact that um, I think before his death, I'm not sure like how it is now, uh, but a lot of his music was just completely unavailable through uh, digital streaming means. Um, he was uh, notoriously very protective of his music in that regard, and mostly physical media was the only way to like get a hold of it. So if you weren't like seeking that out, you couldn't really just like come across it, like the sort of like avenues that I usually listen to music. So that might be a reason why I just didn't have that sort of relationship with it. But I remember really enjoying uh, this film for the first time. I was just sort of enthralled with it because it's just, I, I don't know, I was just given over to sort of like mourning the death of this, um, this artist who, even though I didn't have like a necessarily a personal uh, relationship with his work, I was just sort of enthralled by the legacy that he sort of left behind and how much um, his, his precedent sort of like had a mark on artists who I I very much hold in high regard. So really quick, Dusan, and I I am. You just cut out. Talked about this. Yeah. Uh, so when it was around the time that he passed away. I mean, there's a thing with, with Prince where he persona about being an artist and were musicians referred to as artists before him or was he just someone who thrust that into the mainstream i think he was somebody who really did stick a claim on that and really did um assert sort of the primacy of himself as being the sole author of his music and understanding and 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 pushing back against like record labels who would try to like prey on the rights to his music and try to like take away something that was like his own proprietary creation. Like he was just fiercely uh, defensive of that. And I think that sort of courage on his part um, helped to sort of instill that in both his contemporaries and in younger generations. Um, So returning to uh, Purple Rain, 
I had never seen it before uh, four years ago, but I did sort of have like a peripheral uh, a peripheral awareness of the film for the fact of like when I was younger, I would watch Jay, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and like the whole thing with Morris Day and the time, like that whole bit was the only thing that I actually knew of, of uh, Purple Rain. So when I actually saw the film for the first time and saw that and I was like, oh yeah, now I'm connecting the dots. Like, okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, this film is really bizarre. It is it is the most one of the most fiercely bizarre films that I've watched in recent memory, uh, even taking into account that it's a story about a musician sort of like climbing up through the ranks and sort of like trying to, like, you know, as, as, as Nick was saying, sort of a, a, a not so rags to riches, but sort of along in that vein. Um, I, I enjoyed it. And yeah, it is a cop out to say that I enjoyed the music as far as that is like, but that is the best part of it. I, I enjoyed Prince, but also Prince is kind of a cipher in this, in this film. Like, I guess, as a carryover from his actual onstage persona, because like my first impression of him when, in, when he's interacting with Apollonia, Apollonia is just like, Oh, this guy's kind of a dick. And it was like, Oh, this guy's kind of nice. And it's just like vacillating between those two rapidly. And it only gets worse as the film goes on. And yeah, the part where Morris day and his, um, his, his muscle or whatever, his, his bandmate throws that woman into a trash can it's just a harbinger of things to come later on. Like there's just like a, an increasing amount of, of misogynistic behavior and like, and he didn't even put border- garbage stickers on her. The city's not going to just accept that. Like, like misogynistic behavior and borderline, if not outright, like sexual violence in this film that is then juxtaposed with like scenes of like, like almost maudlin heartache and 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 just like earnestness and the way that those those two sort of modes are are edited alongside one another gives me sort of a a sense of whiplash and at some point you just have to like check the fuck out of of the actual story of what's going on in the the documentary in, in the actual film and just like give yourself over to the music because the last 15 minutes of this film are immaculate and it's only for the fact that he's like performing purple rain and that's a great fucking performance you know what here something that i thought was odd and um nick was talking about his opening performance earlier i believe but something i thought was really odd um was the perplexed nature of the uh, club owner during the opening scene because it appeared to me that everybody in the club was having a great time during his opening performance and he kept talking about how awful he was. He and can't pull was, in the crowds like he used to anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was having a real hard... I feel like that should have come in the next scene. That made no <laughs> sense in the opening scene to me. At like, least, I don't know. fucking blind? Like, do you <laughs> not see people having a fun time? No, they're not having as much of a fun time. The dude literally drove up to the fucking venue in his purple motorcycle on the sidewalk. Like, As people are like, he has to like wait for them to get out of the way. For in the most fucking part. Minnesota, okay, like <laughs> you have to understand something is always going on. That uh, was I want to. Can I just say quick? Uh, that was one yeah. of the things I found very hard to follow. Was how are we? How we were supposed to interpret how the crowd was receiving um, 
Prince's Act or the Kids Act versus Morris Days versus Apollonia Six because I didn't understand like with the Darling Nikki performance that that was actually supposed to be a you know a terrible turning point and like oh Prince is really off the rails now and it yeah absolutely with that opening scene it seemed like they were going crazy for it so the tension between um, the owner of the club and and how the band is like kind of on the rocks never exactly made a lot of sense to me given how people were receiving them because they still seemed fairly positive, especially in the very beginning scene of the movie. So, and then thunderous applause after the first performance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's just like there's just a kid. Well, and then the fact that uh, they apparently. I don't understand how Darling Nikki is supposed to be a bad performance, but then they eat um, Apollonia 6 up with a spoon. And, I mean, Prince gave those people everything in Darling Nikki. I mean, he was gyrating on top of a speaker. Like, yeah. he... <laughs> that was and then, and, 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 bad, and then I guess. The, 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 the club owner is like, this sucks, I'm so bored. I, then, want, I want more... I want more... Uh, that, that, that weird doo-wop singing like Morris Day in the fucking zoot suit with the, the shoulders that are so wide you could land a 747 on them. That's the shit people like. Yeah, that's what, somehow that's found what a way gets to have the worse kids going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his was a cutting edge act. The kids were tiring of the revolution. It, yeah, that was something that was very hard to follow throughout the movie, just trying to figure out exactly where he was in his career. Is he on his way up? Is he on his way out? Like, what what was the dynamic between the the different bands and the owner? It, I don't know. It was goofy. Yeah, and then there's the scene. There, there's so many weird scenes. Uh, there's one, the, the whole Lake Minnetonka scene where uh, Prince drives Apollonia out there and, like, you have to purify yourself in the, the waters of Lake Minnetonka. And then she just, like, pulls off her coat and she's, like, wearing nothing at all. Like, she's not, like, it's, like... This isn't not her even... first rodeo, Toussaint. But, no, she was just wearing that, like, in general. Like, it's cold out there. Like, why aren't you wearing anything? And then when, when they go back to his place... And she's like a he plays that, artist. no, no, she's and, and 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 he plays that record that is like that girl crying, and it's just like if I didn't know any better, I'd think that Prince was a sociopath and that he was about to skin her alive. Um, it's it, it. He does live in a basement, a creepy he, one. He lives, you know, he lives in his parents' basement, and uh, his parents uh, just it, man, that's a crazy. That's that I I really. To, to be a fly on the wall, to see what are the things that sort of spark the what what are the, the the unseen events that spark those violent confrontations between them? We're like, you'll do what I say. It's like, you'll keep this place clean. I'm just well, like, clearly what? she wasn't keeping the place clean. Well, what was it? Did he just like <laughs> wipe his finger across a table and find a a, a film of 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 like? Like dust and just fly into like a bloodless rage. I'm like, there Damn. clearly wasn't much time for a script here, guys. Yeah, there's not there's not much time for a script. It's it's. Uh... I thought that was a typical Minnesotan marriage. True. Ooh. It's true. 
I'm making yeah. a joke because Sarah's going to get married. So I'm oh. trying to paint an oh. awful picture. Oh, pay no attention to Nick. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, but yeah, this uh, this film is... It's it's something all right. I, I want to say that I enjoyed it because I did. But at the same time, there were so many things that I did not enjoy about this film. Uh, particularly, it's... Uh, it's sort of ambient attitude towards women that sort of uh, I found distasteful that if I were probably to talk to somebody uh, of an older generation who the, the generation that this film was actually targeted towards, they would be like, Oh man, that's just the way it was. Also there's the scene where uh, Prince picks up Apollonia when uh, Morris day is like trying to like, get it on with her and he, calls him a long-haired f-word and i'm like mm, oh yeah mm, forgot about that that's, yeah that's dated oh man speaking of sign all the times i get it uh, he also runs him over with his motorcycle no one even noticed yeah. <laughs> what he was what yeah. he run? oh he does what with his motorcycle he runs over Morris Day with his motorcycle. He pushes him oh, yeah. into a garbage pile. Yeah, he deserved it. Yeah, it might be true. I yeah, mean, if you were going to be an iconoclastic rock star with a purple motorcycle, yeah, you're going to run over someone's feet every now and then. Yeah. He almost, I noticed in the Lake Min, or the not Lake Minnetonka scene, he almost uh, falls off his bike as he's taking off at one point. And it reminded me of that uh, scene in The Simpsons where uh, Burns is making a movie and he falls off his horse and the horse is dragging him back and forth. And it is oh. tough to get that. It is tough to drive a motorcycle when you're only four foot three. So there is that. <sighs> hey, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Dick, do you have a feeling on that? No. <laughs> Those are my, my initial impressions of, uh, of Purple Rain. I think that it's a, a great music film, but anywhere in terms of, like, story or plot or editing, it's kind of it's bizarre. Well, I guess it's my turn. Um, I didn't think this film was very good. Uh, I oh, I could tell. <laughs> I have never been a big Prince fan. Um, I will say the majority of what I knew about Prince growing up was from the 1989 Batman film, uh, and that's it. Oh yeah. Been hit, um, famously but, Scott Ackerman's favorite song. Okay, really? Wow. That's that is a uh, that's a recurring joke on Comedy Bang Bang that his favorite song is a uh, one of one of the ones from that soundtrack. I don't remember oh, okay. now. Oh, one nice. of the ones, yes. Oh, there's uh, there's three, I think. Yeah. Whichever one's the best one, they're probably all. Well, I'm guessing it's the one that they play in the museum. Party, man. That one's good. The one during the parade is also quite good, I will say. Uh, and at any rate, that was my Prince, um, the entirety of what I knew of his work when I was growing up. Um, and that kind of makes sense. I was pretty little uh, during the time when Prince was pretty prominent during the early 90s. 
in that era. And I mean, I know he was up until his uh, passing. But other than that, all I really knew about Prince in terms of my viewpoint of him was Batman 1989 and also what is generally regarded as the best performance ever in the Super Bowl halftime show, uh, which I think was actually very good. Um, And somewhat had to do with the fact that it was pouring rain during it, but at the same time um, still was great. Anyways, fast forward first time watching uh, this film. I just was not a fan. Uh, I, I don't care that much about Prince. I don't love his music. I think he has some good songs and some of his songs I don't care for at all. Uh, and I will say, even though it certainly was better, I think as the film wore on, there were parts of the first 25 to 30 minutes of this film where I felt like the acting and the storyline was on par with some really shitty movies. Like I was having thoughts of things like the room during some of the acting scenes early on. And I, 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 I think that there's not much to say about it though, because it's just not that good of a movie. When you look at the dialogue and the story structure of the actual scenes, this film's real redeeming quality is the numerous musical performances that are happening throughout. And I feel like some of them are fantastic. Some of them were not as good, but that's what this film is. It's just a bunch of musical performances stringed together with a terrible storyline. Um, and I, I don't really know what more to say about what this actual film is for me, because that's all I saw of it. So, yeah, I thought this was pretty terrible. Uh, um, that's fair. Um, I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> oh, man. I really do. I, I, I like, I, yeah, I like how we're all pretty much in agreement. Not a good movie, <laughs> but... But um, damn good music. Damn, well, yeah, Alex doesn't seem to think so. But no, we, we all nobody here thinks it's a very good movie, but somehow it just couldn't quite cross the finish line into at least being an enjoyable experience for you, Alex. But I mean, I do understand. Um, I think a lot of... I, I like the music more than you seem to, and I, you know, have my uh, my Minnesotans love of Prince that I just can't get over. But there are long stretches of this movie that are just kind of, I'd say, irredeemably boring and, you know, just bad dialogue, stilted, stilted deliveries. Um, I can certainly see why somebody would not enjoy this movie. I feel like a, a part of the problem, and I think, is the film goes on the storyline becomes more clear but in the first 30 minutes when i have no idea because i know nothing about this film going into it in in all honesty so going in totally fresh um i have no idea what to expect so the dialogue and the story structure in the first 30 or so minutes i some of the conversations that are happening i have no idea what they're talking about like i feel like someone was just handed a script and they're like, okay, I guess I'll just do this scene. And it has nothing to do with the following scene after that. And then there's a woman being thrown into a garbage dump, uh, a garbage. Um, yeah, that happens a lot. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a fair summation of uh, a sequencing of, of scenes in this film. And then Prince bails on the woman after he tells her to get into the water. Um, and she's like, shivering as she tries to put her clothes and then he 
kind of comes back. I, I, I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> Um, one thing I, I will say, I, I agree with Alex on the general sentiment that I think the movie gets better as it goes on to the point where for me, the last 30 minutes is like the best stretch of the movie. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And one thing I'm confused about though, is what, one of the weird things when you're watching this movie, especially if you never really dived into Prince or have ever seen this movie before is that, the Morris Day scenes when he performs, I I assume that those are those Prince songs. I mean, in real life, I think they are. Yeah, I okay. was looking this up a little was bit. Was he his I, own I performer perfect- though? That's the only thing. Because I I thought he had his own group. Like I thought that was actually a thing. He he did, but I think the mute. Don't quote me, but I thought that the music in this was it was also Prince music. I mean, listening to it, it sounded like the whole soundtrack was made by Prince, which would make sense. But obviously, it makes no sense when you're just watching it and you're trying to take it at face value that somehow when Prince does it, it's it's awful. But when Morris Day does music that's not even, you know, written for him in mind necessarily, it's transcendent. Uh, Morris Day and The Time, like, they have two songs on this. uh, Okay. On on this, like, it's, it's Jungle Love and The Bird. That makes so. sense. I think those sounded the most like fifties inspired. Yeah. Well, I I suppose in the movie, um, people uh, were won over by the strength of the choreography of the time, and also those guys who are standing up in on the second level of the club who look like security guards but all suddenly start dancing which was one of my favorite little touches in this movie (laughs) that was something i liked throughout the fact that no matter which act it was they all kind of have to dance um sideways back and forth in unison there's just something super charming about it yeah um one thing i will point out was that my personal favorite performance in the movie was of Prince doing Darling Nikki, which is why when we talked about it earlier that that was like the real turning point as a first time viewer I'm like watching that I'm like oh this is when he's like really showing his worth and then they were like this is the worst thing ever and I'm like oh (laughs) never mind that was actually bad I don't I didn't like that yeah which is so weird then to create a movie in which Prince's own, shall we say, strengths and, uh, I guess, general, I don't know, uh, performative persona is essentially shunned throughout the whole movie. And I know by the end it's redeemed, but not to the point where we actually, I would say, are supposed to look back, at least narratively, and say, like, oh, you know what, he was a hidden gem all along, because his climax hinges on an emotional beat, not a musical one, so it's such a weirdly confused way to uh, to present the legend. Right, like, he wasn't discovered, he didn't get signed or anything, he just sort of came into sort of like a peak of emotional 
like self-awareness and maturity maybe yeah, which is like that's interesting like that's not a bad thing whatsoever no but it's um, not what this this film makes it out to be though yeah but the weird thing though about this whole film in general is that what are the motives for making this movie and i think it's pretty clear the motive is to put well, prince out there and have his music be the star of this film which it clearly wanna, is so you want to know what the motive was Alex, you want to know what the motive was? The motive was that Prince wanted to make a movie. That's the motive. Are you sure? Yep. Actually, you know what? Here's what I'm going to say. I don't know anything about this, and don't quote me on any of this, but I'm going to posit my own theory here. Um, So if you look at the credits, you know, Albert, whatever, Magnoli, not Magnolia, Magnolia, because that's the name of a great movie. Um, but Albert Magnoli, uh, it was Prince's manager, and he was also responsible for the script besides directing this. So it honestly, to me, seems like literally he came up with this project all on his own. And I almost wonder if Prince wanted to be called the kid after reading the script and like saying like yeah, yeah i'll do it I, but like that's not me even though it kind I of i will is. say it it is a little weird that everyone else basically goes by their actual name and he will he refuses to oh. i mean the one thing we know about prince even if you've never listened to him is that he's particular about what he goes by <laughs> so Personally, I have to believe he had creative input at least with the name, and I think that tells you something about the way he perceived the movie itself, even if obviously a manager may have known how profitable it could have been. I will say... uh, I read that Prince didn't actually care for his given name, which he was named after um, his father's stage name. In real life, both of his parents were um, singers and musicians. And yeah, I guess his father went by the name Prince um, something or other. I can't remember what now. And I guess Prince was never super comfortable with that. But yeah, I could see another thing that I noticed when I was reading it, they said that this was the only movie that Prince was involved in that he didn't direct. And I wonder if maybe he didn't care for the way he was portrayed because his character off stage is um, either unremarkable, boring and flat, or just frankly um mon- monstrous you know he's troubled and i think it's kind of interesting that they delve into his backstory and kind of or they delve into a backstory and like you know paint this troubled portrait but what should undeniably be his biggest strength you know his performances his musicianship his singing his dancing all of it like isn't even treated as really all that big of a deal throughout much of the movie so I've never seen um his follow-up to this under the cherry moon but I feel like I I could see him maybe wanting to cast himself in more of a flattering light although I hear that one there is another one and So Purple Rain does not have the greatest reputation. Under the Cherry Moon has a pretty terrible reputation. So now, honestly, I'm even more curious to see just how bad that one is. This is the first time I've ever heard of it. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, Under the Cherry Moon is a 1986 American musical film directed by and starring Prince in his directorial debut. Ooh. Ooh, man. Oh, I already see where this is going. Man. Are you look? There is a poster for it, which uh, looking yeah. very, very vaporwave. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. poster is weird. I'm looking at it now too, and it. Looks I like it. Like a Agatha Christie Paul Rowe cover. I like it. Yeah, I thought is it, it. It's black and white. Yeah. Oh, he, doesn't he look fetching? Wow, yeah, this looks great. Scott Thomas is in it. Yeah. What the hell? Maybe we have to do an episode on this. <laughs> The film was a com- wait. Let's nope. The film was a critical and commercial failure, winning five Golden Raspberry Awards, including Worst Picture, tying with Howard the Duck. We were destined. Oh, we were destined to talk about it's this film. All coming back home to That's roost. Sad because Howard the Duck is great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Duck boobs. Yeah, that's uh, that's not mm, okay. Yeah, you know what doesn't have duck boobs? Purple rain. Purple rain doesn't have just that. just pure mammalian boobs. Yep, pure mammalian. Yep. Apollonia boobs. Yep. About Apollonia's costume choice. <laughs> her costume choices to return to a point from earlier. I think, um, you know, she's presented as a scrappy young woman. Like she doesn't pay for her cab <laughs> the first time we're introduced to her. She talks about how she's like been trying to make it for so long, even though she's like 19. So I think the idea is that wherever she is, she is just ready to, to perform. And so, you know, that, that includes if she's on a dusty back road traveling to not Lake Minnetonka. So she's got to be in head to toe leather and nothing else, apparently. Yeah, I, w- I will say her character, um, there's nothing at all that we know about her before she arrives. I've, um, this is going to interest Nick, but I feel like she's uh, a little bit like the character from Showgirls in that sense because she just kind of shows up. <laughs> That's a great movie. Wow. Yeah, sure thing, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Nick sounds so deflated right now. No, Nick loves like, showgirls. Yeah, no, it's like it's, No, this know. could be this could be a triple feature with all about <laughs> Eve, Showgirls, and this. Oh yeah. This no, is kind of like don't, the don't culmination of it. all of those. I feel like this movie has all about Eve like uh intentions so to speak not necessarily in the exact narrative but in like wanting to join that canon but uh, i think it could have been like a saw it had a lot of potential to be a movie like that if you know they had a better story and somebody who could act in a better character i suppose but uh, it was just trying to go in a few different directions or like be part of a different sort of movie like they should have just picked one of these like two or three lanes that it was veering wildly between throughout the movie. I do feel like or- even though I didn't care for this movie really at all, I will say the first scene is fantastic. I think the first musical scene and Prince's outfit and his hairstyle throughout the movie, but his hairstyle in the first scene and his outfit 
are like the iconic cartoon character vision that I <laughs> always have of Prince, no matter when I think of him, that is how I envision him. And that's what he was in the opening scene of this film. And also um, during the purple rain performances as well. Yeah. They're very iconic. Yeah. I was going to echo that comment about the first scene too. Like, it sounds like we all really liked the, kind of the climax of the movie and the the ending but the beginning's really good too and i i don't know if it's just because you know the music is so good and like it's you kind of amped but i feel like that's some of the best filmmaking that we see in the movie too um the, just the movie and the or i mean the music and the editing and in uh the beginning and the end are are really effective it made me really really excited to get into this movie when uh, let's go crazy is playing. And then that energy like basically fizzles out entirely only to be picked back up when a new musical number starts. And then like, like Nick was saying, like the last 15, 20 minutes or so kind of actually picks it back up and is actually, I think I found it, you know, kind of genuinely moving in spite of the fact that I don't know if any of those um, emotional resolutions were earned at all at the but their music least, was a lot of work too <laughs> at the very least when it comes to the family melodrama at least they resolved that uh wordlessly um i actually thought the the image of prince coming with it to the hospital i think to see the dad and the mom and the way he kind of joins them at the bed and puts his hand up there and there's no script writing to fault there, you know. Um, I, I thought that was actually an effective way to kind of end it on a good note. Not just, obviously, positive-wise, but also just not forcing some kind of come-to-Jesus conversation or anything like that. So I, I enjoyed that part. Um, yeah, and I, I think that was for the best. I think they wrapped, you know, the family storyline up a lot better than they did the Apollonia storyline. But, um, you know, they clearly were taking pains to show like, oh, you know, there were good times with his parents, too. Like that one scene where they're like canoodling on the couch. And he clearly does have some affection for his father. His father is awful but he's you know talented and tortured and you know you do kind of feel for him and I feel like they managed to sort of um convey the complexities of those relationships a lot better than anything that happens with Apollonia so that wrapped up better yeah I didn't know Prince was in a hip-hop group what? Uh, Prince was in a hip hop slash rap group. Are you on Wikipedia right now? I am. Called the New Power Generation. I can't say the name ah. of their first studio album because I am white. Uh, but it. I thought it was because interesting. Couldn't read or something. What's What's the name of the band? New Power Generation. New Power Generation. Okay. Yes. All right. As soon as I said I couldn't say the name because I was white, it sounds like music to my ears. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what those first four letters spell. I get the second part, but the first half I'm confused about. 
Uh, oh, no, that, that stands for new power generation. No, I'm making a joke. And NPC. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm making a joke <laughs> about the name of the first album. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, one other thing I was going to say uh, before we land this plane um, is I... Oh, um, I was a little upset that there was no instance of, like, genuine purple rain, like, coming down from the skies and, like, infecting everybody. I was waiting for that. What do you think purple rain is? I think it's, like, Prince's Come. Remember when that guitar came? Tucson, why did you mute your mic? <laughs> Isn't there, like, doesn't his guitar shoot out water in one scene? Does it? Yeah. Is, is that a metaphor? Yeah, the, 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 the uh, guitar is kind of phallic in its shape and its uh, function. So what is phallic? I don't mean? think that's very safe. What is what is what is <laughs> for phallic the mean? For the audience, they've heard much for, worse. For the person um, wielding the <laughs> the elect the electronic guitar. That's true. What if he was like doing like a sick guitar solo, just really fingering that G string, and then he like faces one of the amps or something like that and that's when it squirts like you could electrify the whole place that's what he meant by electric word life it means forever and that's a etc etc yep my long time <laughs> okay let's uh let's move to final ratings thanks Tucson. i feel like we were just getting started Started. No, you were just <laughs> getting started. You were just getting started, and I'm finishing it. Well, who wants to go first? Well, I'll go first, and we can uh, retreat back in the same order we started earlier. I will say that I was a fan of this movie. I don't think it's very good, but obviously the musical performances are good and is uh, genuinely entertaining when it's performing in that arena. Uh, the other stuff in and outside of the uh, musical performances were certainly a mixed bag and didn't love most of it but i would say some of it worked some of it definitely didn't but was still entertaining in and of itself um i think my biggest mistake in watching this movie for the very first time was that i watched it like stone cold sober by which i mean i like watched it like during the day you know sunlight beaming through the window no you know whatever inebriation that's a mistake i know and like i i wasn't ready to let loose and have fun with it as a sensory experience even though i appreciated it in that uh aspect so i give it three out of five i can understand why this has uh stuck around because of prince himself but if you made this movie in the exact same manner and Prince himself wasn't 
already a star, there, there's nothing here. Um, having said that, maybe it could have made him into a star, I don't know, because the performances are that pretty good. Um, but I will certainly look forward to rewatching it one day, uh, especially uh, some of the performances like Darling Nikki and whatnot. So, yeah, I give it three out of five stars. Sarah, you're up! Well, I'm going to go ahead and give this bad boy a three and a half stars. Um, certainly, I wouldn't go so far as to say it was a failure, but it had some notable misses that still managed to be pretty fun. Some slow stretches, but they are, you know, they quickly um, skip along to something else that's, that's entertaining, uh, whether intentional or not. And it is certainly a movie for, I think it's a, a fun movie to watch with friends, as I did, even though I had to do it remotely in these times of corona. And the next time I watch it, I am going to certainly uh, play it very loud and just enjoy it. I'd also like to share one quick anecdote that I was chided once for sitting on the curb at first ave where this movie takes place so i don't think it's true that you can just drive a motorcycle through a crowd of people because of what? my own experience there being chided for sitting on a curb so since employee. you are um you are resident is that still a place that is um used and is it a place that is frequently used for concerts and things like that yeah, it's, it's a very popular place. Um, do they have three or four house bands who are at each other's throats weekly, um, who are basically living and dying at the mercy of the manager? I couldn't tell you that, but um, I've seen some pretty good shows there, and it's it's a really fun place to go check out because it uh, it's, it's a very small club, so you are going to be able to see and hear everything just fantastically. It's very intimate. And there's also an even smaller club attached to it called 7th Street Entry, which uh, um, is probably against many fire codes, frankly, but um, they're still... It's still absolutely... real. Absolutely. It's a... Uh, renowned in the twin cities and i think it was already you know quite had uh, quite a reputation by the time that purple rain was filmed but i think that uh that just kind of catapulted it into the stratosphere as far as its reputation goes and uh so if you're ever up that way try and catch a show there okay my turn i'm gonna give purple rain a three out of five um i think that yeah, everything that I've said about this film, I stand by it. It's uh, it's bizarre. The music's great. I'm not a fan of the um, misogynistic behavior. Um, Prince is at the same time both a, a captivating and also totally alienating stage presence. And uh, Morris Day is a uh, uh, entertaining villain. He certainly knows how to ham it up. Knows how to really, really soak in that screen. So, yeah, three out of five. So, I was not a huge fan of this, as uh, I guess was probably pretty clear during my opening remarks. I, I didn't love uh, the story of this, and I don't really love Prince that much. So, 
there were not many great returns in this film for me. So I'm not going to give this a like awful rating, but I'm not going to give it a good rating either. So I'm going to give it one and a half out of five. Not a huge fan of Purple Rain, although I did enjoy uh, quite a few of the musical performances. Still, uh, the film overall is not very good. Guess who's getting the Blu-ray for Christmas? Um, that sounds right. Hopefully you can um, get it by then. <laughs> I just want to let you all know that at the First Avenue Club, the show on uh, tonight, actually, which was going to be the Crash Test Dummies, is postponed. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Really? That was who was supposed to be there tonight? Yep, and it says it's great. It says Crash Test Dummies, but then unlike all the other like acts on the calendar, it's got a very long, uh, I guess, event title because it says Crash Test Dummies hyphen celebrating 30 years hyphen playing songs from their entire catalog. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. Okay. Hyphen. Yeah, but Soccer Mommy was going to perform there. That's sad. Oh, I love Soccer Mommy. Uh, and I love Soccer Moms. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, wonderful. Uh, if anyone out there has any thoughts, yeah, I like on Soccer purple... Dads too. Thank you. I'll continue. Oh, so yes. equal opportunity. I was just going to yeah, say, yeah. Nick uh, cares for all soccer people. Very woke of you all. No, I don't <laughs> go after soccer kids. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone out there has any thoughts on Purple Rain um, or Prince just in general, because we don't, you know, we don't really care. Uh, we just want to know your thoughts. Feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. So I don't know if you guys are wanting to end the episode right away, but I'm interested in what people are finding in terms of things that either they have not watched before or they are revisiting and they weren't planning on it although they've been thrust into it now because of this current situation that we're in. I know ooh, this is ooh, kind of like a weekend with me, but I have one that I want teacher, to mention. It's teacher. Up, ooh, ooh, me. Oh, it's me. up like Tucson also has one. Ooh, me. Me. I want to yes. do it. I want, I want to go. Oh. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> so uh, my girlfriend and I have been watching a lot of television together. Six feet um, apart. Well, yeah, six feet apart. Um, we've been watching a lot of television together. She has introduced me to uh, the wide and wonderful world of Big Brother. But um, as a <laughs> as an exchange of that, I've tried to introduce her to something that I very much enjoy and that I thought that she would very much enjoy. So today we uh, we just started watching uh, Hannibal, the Brian Fuller uh, adaptation of the uh, the Thomas Harris um, sort of like series of serial killer the one uh, with mads mickelson the ones with, the one with mads mickelson yeah and it is it is just as great as i remember it it is a, a wonderful wonderful series and uh my girlfriend likes it too so yeah i'm really happy to be returning to that series 
It's a great show. But you were saying, Alex? <laughs> oh, so so there are a couple things. Um, the second one I'll get to because um, I know that Sarah is a fan of the James Bond series, so I'll get to that in a second. Ooh. So, yes. So um, my wife and I uh, started watching House many years ago, uh, and we left off after season six because just kind of lost interest and it wasn't as good as the earlier episodes. Um, but recently we've picked back up and I will say that season seven is also, uh, not as good <laughs> as season six also was not very good either, but, um, we're pretty determined to finish it now. And, um, man, these kind of shows are such a slog to get through because every single episode is the exact same and there's a story going on, but it's really boring and, I love that one where House is a jerk and he has fallings <laughs> out with all the people in his life. <laughs> uh, it's hard because I feel like the first, and this is terrible to say, but the first three seasons were way better when he was dealing with addiction. <laughs> so uh, as, when they got That's away true. from that, it became less, less enthralling. It's season and, seven where he goes to jail. Uh, no, that was earlier. Oh, okay. Um, I'm pretty sure. Thank no, God. So far, season seven is when him and Cuddy are having a sexual relationship together. Ooh. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's not bad. And we've watched seven episodes in the last three days. So, I mean, that's not a lot, but it's also not nothing. So I'm still watching it. But when you watch more than two episodes a day, it feels like it gets a little old really quickly. And I don't know. It's weird. So anyways. I, um, ignore what I said about House going to jail. That might be a future thing. <laughs> oh, okay. I haven't seen that already. I remember him going to rehab um, and then Lin-Manuel Miranda committed suicide and then he went straight. So that yeah, was weird. I believe it's the very end of the seventh season. He does something and he is punished for it. No. Oh. He probably deserves it. <laughs> yeah. God, that, um, that's got one of the worst uh, series finales ever. I had already pretty much given up on watching it, like, regularly, but I checked back in the last, like, couple weeks of that show, and I watched the finale the night it aired, and it's, it's awful. I've seen it. Oh, really? Yeah, so I know how it ends, but yeah. uh, Emily does not, so I'm keeping quiet as okay. much as possible. But at the same time, yeah, I know what you're talking about, and yes, it's not great. Yeah. I mean, not like the echelon of worst finale. It's just, it's just very bad. <laughs> Watching it and seeing as many episodes as I have, I mean, I guess because of ratings, but I can't believe a show like that went on for so long, but I guess Law & Order SVU is still going, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, it used to be... I mean, we've gotten a little bit away from the whole episodic television thing, but that used to be all the rage, obviously, for the longest time, and now it's just... Yeah, I don't think a show like that would last. Usually, nowadays, those are only getting like four to five seasons max, which is probably a good thing, but it's also kind of sad because I think there's merit to both uh, serialization and episodic uh, shows. But whatever. Well, the, f the fact, too, that there are eight full seasons of a 22-episode run, hour-long episodic show... 
there's a lot of content there. <laughs> there is, but I mean, they're the way to do it. You just don't stretch yourself too thin. I mean, I've seen 12 seasons of, you know, Buffy and Angel combined. And while there are bad episodes of that show, uh, both shows, like, all both of those series were able to reinvent itself you know every season to just offer enough of a variation to not break the show but also you know change it up and have their characters grow up and live experiences and whatnot the the worst episode of buffy is the one where uh she has to get that job at that fast food yeah, double restaurant palace. yeah that place <laughs> and, and if i remember i think the uh the the villain of the week of that episode like his head was shaped like a penis or something like i think I, that sounds right but yeah, all yeah. I, I also hate that episode but all i remember of that episode is that uh buffy and spike totally bang in the alley by the dumpster and it was kind of a metaphor for their relationship out with the trash <laughs> deep well at, at any rate i am still enjoying watching uh more house and I'm, I'm glad that i'm will eventually finish watching the whole series which is good to be a you know complete complete completionist or whatever how you say it but at the same time there you go thanks nick uh at the same time certainly i think not as good as the earlier episodes what i was going to say uh especially with sarah being a huge james bond fan um uh, i haven't watched specter but i watched the first three daniel craig uh, James Bond films again, especially with No Time to Die, supposed to come out a couple weeks ago. Um, rip. What was that? You say rip. rip. <laughs> Rest in peace, Rip. Even though um, just, I haven't, took... I haven't seen most of the James Bond films. I've seen all the Pierce Brosnan, a couple of the Sean Connery, and a couple other ones here and there. Um, I really like the Daniel Craig movies. I think. He's done a really good job being Bond. And I was interested with you being a huge James Bond fan. What is your favorite James Bond era? My, I have different favorites depending on what aspect you're talking about. My, my very favorite James Bond movie, as Nick knows, and I believe it's his as well, is On Her Majesty's Secret Service, George Lazenby's only one. his only outing as Bond. He's a pretty bad Bond, but it's a super fun movie. Highly recommend it. And it's as a, somebody who is getting into James Bond, I, I found that one like uh, just really fun kind of tying a lot of things together when I saw it and realizing that so much, uh, so many um, other pop culture homages to James Bond had been ripped from that movie in particular. So that kind of brought it all back home. Um, probably my favorite overall Bond is Timothy Dalton, uh, just very underrated. And I think he's sort of the proto Daniel Craig as far as being very dour and just not fun at all he doesn't pull off the one-liners as much he's not he's just not as fun but i i still i still there's something i really like about it um and he only did i think the daniel two movies right yeah he only did two i think he was he was supposed to do a third one and then that one got stuck in development hell forever and it just never happened yeah. um and they didn't offer him a hundred million dollars is was that it? 
It's a different era. <laughs> they were a little bit more uh, more modest in scope still. It's, I think there really is uh, some enjoyment to be wrung out of every era of James Bond. I kind of feel like, you know, the latest ones, Spectre, I was very let down by. But the first few Daniel Craig ones, I did really enjoy. And especially Skyfall. And I think that those are probably the best overall movies. But, you know, they're kind of maybe they'll age differently, but the tone is just so different from the first uh, couple of campy decades. So if I ever want to just like sit down and watch a James Bond movie, I would probably watch one from the Sean Connery or um, what's his face eras. Roger, but, uh, Moore. Roger Moore also rip. So it's funny because I rewatched Casino Royale twice now here in the last couple weeks and I feel like that is, even though I feel like I like Skyfall better, I think that's the best one that Daniel Craig has done so far, even though it's his first, because I feel like it's a really good marriage between a really solid action film and also really good at showing his bond as being this resistant to authority type figure. Um, and I, I, I mean, there's no growth that happens in that either, too. And it's just a good film. I'd agree with that in the sense that um, the more I rewatch, uh, like Skyfall and Spectre and all them, the more I realize that, despite the fact that Casino Royale was already more dour than what came before, for some weird reason each film in his era got more and more dour. So I do think that I think Casino Royale is maybe the most pure version of Bond he's ever like you know been. So. Toussaint has yeah. to leave. Goodbye, Toussaint. Goodbye, Toussaint. I was trying to do it silently to be polite, but I will. <laughs> well, I'll... you can just say goodbye. We love goodbye. You. Goodbye. Love you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Stay safe. <laughs> and Toussaint has left. <laughs> Yay. What, what about you guys? Have you been catching up on anything that you had previously gotten away from? Or is there anything you've seen here in the last however long? Sarah, I I haven't been watching as much as I kind of intended. There are so many things I'd like to go back and revisit, and it kind of just didn't happen during my month of exile, and now I have to go back, back to work. So I missed the boat there. Um, but one thing that we have been watching a little bit here um, is uh, the 2012 JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which... Oh. I, I can't say a lot about because I'm not watching it with 100% focus, but this was something that Andy, my fiance was watching and I was not, I was just in the room and the more it was on, the more I could not ignore it anymore. Um, It is the most ridiculous show and I think, I sort of suspect it might be the best show of all time. It makes me laugh out loud, which is what a lot, very few shows do. I just never quite know how to take it. Um, But I love how the dialogue is 90% exposition and everyone has a constant running monologue. And I love how over the top it is and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure it is my new favorite show, and I look forward to it carrying me through these dark, dark times. 
I like how Toussaint left this conversation right before anime was brought up. Well, sucks to be him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Just kidding. Oh, man. I've actually heard very good things about it. And um, ironically, I have also been watching anime because it takes a lot for me to get motivated to watch it, even though I enjoy select uh, shows and whatnot, but it this quarantine has made me dig out old series that I never finished, so I finished actually like two of them and started the new one, so that's been fun. Um, the biggest thing I've been watching are two time travel shows, which is Quantum Leap from the 80s, which is wonderful. Um, Scott the Scott Bakula show? Yeah. yeah. Scott Bakula just jumping around into people's bodies and solving their problems. Um, one thing I like That's... about it, though. Oh, yeah. What's up? That's, I was just going to say, that seems like such an on-brand show for you. Yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of weirdly moved by the show because it's obviously, at least the reason why I was like, oh, I should try that is because it's got timey-wimey shit. But <laughs> that's actually like 10% of it. And what's actually been keeping me watching it uh, and hanging on is the fact that it's actually pretty much just a drama anthology where obviously every time he leaps into another body, all he has to do is essentially figure out somebody's current domestic issue and try to make it a better life for them, whether it's standing up to an alcoholic father or uh, preventing their sister from marrying a jerk, and almost like these weird little ripples in somebody's lives and how it can have a big impact. So I've I've been pretty much appreciating it for the fact that it's way more low-key and chill than I was expecting. So uh, the other show I've been watching is DC's uh, Legends of Tomorrow, which is a current uh, show. Right now they're in their fifth season, which is all about time travel and a bunch of bunch of outcasts they call themselves the beatless superheroes um i think the most famous person who's i mean superhero who's joined the team so far is constantine um as far as like a superhero people may have heard of if they've heard of keanu reeves because that's who he played in his movie back in the 2000s um, but the rest of the heroes are pretty ancillary characters uh, that are always on the sidelines to uh, Batman and Superman and all that. Um, but it's actually a really fun show. They play with the format every week, and it kind of reminds me of Community at its best because it is just, yeah, it's just super fun, and it has a very fast-paced approach to its drama, um, but also is more concerned with just having fun and so there's you know fun episodes where they do whole like genre mashes and that kind of thing a because it's baked in the plot they have to blend into whatever time period they're going to but b they go the extra step of because they just know it's way more entertaining that way and then they'll make jokes about it about how like eventually they make jokes about how the costume budget for their operation is like in the millions of dollars because they have to blend in and whatnot so or every once in a while when they say like oh we're gonna go to this time period and then somebody will say oh that'll be good for our ratings and they're actually talking about like their ratings in the governmental organization but obviously you know it's a meta joke so 
I'm a big fan of Legends of Tomorrow. I would recommend it to anybody who has a Netflix subscription. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, again, if anyone out there has any thoughts on Purple Rain or Prince in general, or also just wants to let us know what they've been up to during uh, this time at home, feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. Also, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Film Tank Show, or you can also find all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or other places at Film Tank Show. Nick, do you have an idea of what other places? Oh, like Spotify. <laughs> that's the one I always forget. That's about it. I mean, okay. we're in a bunch of other places, but like that's the marquee titles. Yeah. <laughs> right on. So um, coming up on our next episode, we are going to be joined by our friend Sam, uh, who's been on many, many episodes. And she's going to join us as we talk about the talented Mr. Ripley, so uh, the film. Yeah, I've actually only ever seen it once, and that was many years ago. So I'm interested to revisit it again. You know, uh, I almost suggested that to Nick for this one. I'm glad it. you guys are talking about it. Yeah. It's I remember that being a good one. Genuine classic in my eyes. And in my heart. You know, it makes me nervous just thinking about it, though, because I hate crime and I hate covering it up. And I'm an empath, so... <laughs> good luck to you guys in discussing it. Jesus. That has a uh, Nick Cheney, uh, two Nick Cheney favorites of all time in Philip Seymour Hoffman and Philip Baker Hall. Oh, shit. Philip squared. Wait, is Philip Baker Hall in it? I can't. That's what IMDb says. Oh, yeah. I do remember. Uh, Yeah. Yep. 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 (laughs) (laughs) The scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman, though, is an all timer when Matt Damon and him in spoilers. Philip Seymour Hoffman's last moments are it's just fantastic. Well, um, everyone can look forward to us talking about that coming up on our next episode. Uh, Sarah, thank you very much for joining us. We'll have to do this again sometime before the next, you know, three years or so. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. So from Sarah and also to Sant, Nick, and myself, Alex, thank you very much for joining us here at Film Tank. We'll be catching up with you next time. <laughs>